Hello, and welcome to the All Saints Podcast. We'll be coming to you weekly, and we'll start off by bringing you the sermon from the 10 a.m. service on Sunday mornings. That way, if you're traveling, or you miss the service on Sunday morning for whatever reason, or even if you just want to listen to it again, you can have it delivered right to your mobile device. To subscribe to episodes so they arrive automatically, you can click the subscribe button in your podcast app on your phone, tablet, or laptop. And now, the 10 a.m. sermon from February 2nd, 2020, with Father Ed Kelleher. To the glory of God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. I had a lot of choices about what I might preach about this morning. After all, there are three high holy days merged into one today. There's the presentation of our Lord Jesus Christ in the temple. That's a big one. There's Super Bowl Sunday. That's a big one. And it's Groundhog Day. And I dare say, if you ask people around the world, they would probably know Super Bowl Sunday and Groundhog Day more than they know that this is the celebration, the feast of the day our Lord Jesus Christ as an infant child was presented in the temple for his outing, if you will, at at Epiphany, that the world would know him as the Son of God. The scriptures that we read from the Gospel speak about Mary and Joseph, the earthly mother and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and their faithfulness. Indeed, on the eighth day after the baby was born, they gave him his name, a name that was given to them by the angel Gabriel. You shall call the child Jesus. And you know what Jesus means literally in translation? It means God saves. The perfect name for the Savior of the world. Call him God saves. And there was a circumcision rite. That was the eighth day. This is 32 days later. This is the 40th day. And in the Jewish law on the 40th day, you do two things. If you have a male child, you bring the mother to the temple where she is purified. She makes an offering of a couple of pigeons or turtle doves as they did here. They were poor. They didn't have money for a sheep or a goat. They gave some birds. And the mother is purified of her pregnancy, if you will. Something foreign to our notion, but part of the Mosaic Levitical laws of the time. And also, you present your firstborn son. Now, is that just some high holy honor that he's the firstborn son? Well, yes, and in this case, he's the son of God also. But here's the trick here. This is the important part of it. In Exodus, if you remember, all the firstborn sons of Egypt were stricken dead for what they did to God's chosen people, Israel. And the firstborn sons of Israel were allowed to go forward in peace and make the Exodus and go into the Promised Land. But the Lord didn't let them go for free. Although he spared the firstborn sons of Israel, he said, you shall make an offering, a redemption for them along the way. So when you had a firstborn son, you either dedicated that child to the Lord fully, or you redeemed them by some payment, by some offering. And that's what Mary and Joseph were about, business of doing. They had those two things to do. But it wasn't quite that simple. They got to the temple, and they met two people. And these two people are really important to you and me, because if they weren't in the story, I'd be giving you a Bible lesson. I'd be giving you some kind of a Sunday school class about what happened, what the Jewish law was all about, how it goes down. But we have a takeaway in these two people. We have an example of life that was spelled out in the example of Simeon, a very old man, and Anna, a very old woman. They're both spoken of in that gospel reading you just heard. For when this baby came in to be presented to the Lord, he looked like any other baby. We have babies in this church. Jesus wasn't some special baby. He wasn't born with sequins in his hair and jewels in his forehead. He was a baby boy. But Simeon looked at him and exploded with excitement. 
because the Lord God had promised old man Simeon, you're not going to die until you see the Messiah, the Son of God. And he was waiting and waiting and waiting, perhaps decades, who knows how long Simeon was waiting. And when this baby came in, God gave Simeon the eyes to look in the face of this child and to acknowledge and announce that the Son of God, the Messiah, had been born. He held him in his arms. We know what it's like to hold a baby. Some of us have held our own babies in our arms. What a gorgeous sight to look down into the face. Some people have held other people's babies. They know what it is. Imagine you're holding the Messiah of the world, the Savior of the world, the Son of God, Jesus, in your arms. And you've been waiting for him for decades. You're looking down. Uh, that song, that Baptist hymn, look upon Jesus' face, look, uh, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face. That song, I have no doubt, was inspired perhaps by Simeon and what he was doing here. And as he did it, he pronounces words and utterances of praise and glory to God. It becomes known as the Song of Simeon. In our worship, we call it the Nunc Dimittis. We give it a fancy Latin name. But it's this song of delight and joy that comes out of his heart because he has seen this Christ child. And then he goes on and he speaks more. And what does he say? He says some things that are not altogether good. He talks about how this child was going to bring pain and suffering into Mary's life. How this child was going to bring Israel high and bring Israel low, cause it to rise up and cause it to fall down. Now what would that be all about? Those who believe in the Lord, those who walk with Jesus are risen up. Those who reject him will fall down. A simple phrase he uses to explain the importance of this child and who he is. And what's utterly spectacular to me is that Mary and Joseph were hearing all these things and they were amazed, it said. Now remember this, they were amazed. But they've already had a miraculous pregnancy. Visitations by angels. The magi, the wise men, whatever you want to call them, these kings from the east, wherever they were, came and visited them. Herod was going to be after their child. All these different things were going on. And they were in this position where they knew something was special about this baby, yet the story was still unfolding. They didn't know how great the story would be. Mary had already spoken her great magnificat, but there was more greatness and joy to come. Well, here we go. They're going to be going into Egypt. Although this story ends with them going back to Nazareth. There must have been some gap in time, because we know after this they fled into Egypt to avoid Herod killing the baby. But they are in this position. All these things are coming together. And I'm reading it and I'm saying, what does this have to do with my life? It's spectacular to read it. It inspires me. It makes me ever more know how wonderful my God is. But how do I live this out? And in this example of this old man Simeon and this old woman Anna, I find the faithfulness, the holiness, the patience, the godliness, the steadfastness that I need to have in my own life, and we all do. I need to learn from them. You see, back in those days, elderly people were revered, were lifted up. They were filled with wisdom. If they spoke, you shut up and you listened to them. These days, old people are often pushed aside in this world and discounted because everything's about being young and being vivacious and getting out there and making a buck and conquering the world. And we lose the holiness and the essence that God intends for us, both in Scripture and the way we live now. Simeon comes along in this, and what does he say when he sees the baby, this old man? Now I've seen everything, in essence. Now I can die. I've looked full in the face of the Messiah. I've waited for this. The Lord promised me I wouldn't die, and now I'm glad to die. 
For some of us, that sounds crazy. Why would somebody be glad to die? Even the Apostle Paul said he'd rather die. He said, it's better I'm here to help you, but if it was up to me, I'd die and go to heaven. And we have this problem in our lives where we look at life as a human being and death as two things in conflict. We think that they're opposites. We think that one is just so horrible that we cling to the one and we dread the other. I want to live, I don't want to die. And what Simeon is showing us here, what the Apostle Paul says, what Jesus supremely is teaching us by his example of death on the cross and his rising on Easter morning is this. Life and death are not to be feared. It is one continuum. Oh, your body dies and you separate for a very short time from your loved ones until they rejoin you in heaven. But everyone who's died before you has learned what I'm saying to you now, that you do not need to dread death. We do not have to be in fear of death because it is glory upon glory. And what Simeon was seeing here was his fulfillment, his fulfillment that he might be able to go. I think for myself, what would be the one thing I had to have where I'd be at the point where I would say, it's okay, I can die now. It's all right, I can go. Uh, for some people, you see, maybe the Redskins win one more Super Bowl, right? Not today, not gonna happen today, you're not gonna get it today. But it might be that. And people have all these silly, fanciful things they may want to get my final trophy, to finally accomplish that goal in my life. Well, what are those things I'm talking about there where you get your final goals in life and the final things you want before you die? They are matters of gratification, personal gratification, where we're looking at ourselves saying, I'll be gratified when this happens, so my name will be great when I die, or I'll leave something to my family, or I'll feel good about myself, or whatever it is, it's gratification. Simeon and Anna were thrilled in their old age, and Simeon even ready to die, not by gratification of the accomplishment of something, but by a holy fulfillment. He was fulfilled by the holiness in his heart that he had received the Lord God, he had seen the Messiah, and now his life is fulfilled. Well, let me say something to you. As I wrestled with that myself years ago, the first time I had to consider this, was thinking, what's the one thing I would need that I'd feel good about dying? Son of a gun, it was the same thing as Simeon. I wanted to know my Lord Jesus. What I need to know in order to say, I'm okay, I could die now, is to know the fullness that comes in him. That the fear of death can be vanquished because death has no hold on me. He has conquered death in the grave. He's given me freedom and liberation in this life. So I'm not owned by everything that, fear, that I fear, but instead I have this, this strength, this peace, this joy, this knowledge to go around and speak about these things. Many people, though, are ready to die even if they don't know these things. Here's why. Many people are ready to die because their life is too empty, too overwhelming, too hopeless. And they are essence saying, Lord, take me. This is misery. Just take me. Get me out of here. There is no need for that to be the case. For indeed, what we learn from Simeon is the opposite reason. He was ready to die because of the absolute paramount fulfillment of everything the human soul could want. You know, I often think of the human soul as a, uh, a helium-filled balloon that's tied to a string, and the string is tied, say, to a fence post. And the balloon is trying to pull itself heavenward, but that string is holding it down. Well, that's how you and I are. Our souls are longing to go to heaven, but the string of this life is saying, no, we want to stay here, you stay here. Until that string becomes frayed and fragmented and bursts, and the balloon is free to go. We need to know that it's all right. It's a very good thing when that happens. They say that 
the old age of life is, is not as bad as it used to be. I get that. Whether it's the 80s, the new 70, I hear that stuff, the medical advances and all, and exercise and aerobics. What are aerobics? My wife taught me last night about, what was it, hot yoga? Is that what she taught me about? She doesn't do it, but she was telling me what it is. I didn't know what it was. Anybody here know what hot yoga is? Old people are doing that these days, I understand. Uh, you know, 50 is the new 40, 30 is the new 20. That's a bunch of nonsense. Because uh, Patty and I are also talking about, for us, 9 o'clock is the new midnight. <laughs> oh, it's true. At 9 o'clock, I'm done. Uh, I'm ready to go. 9 o'clock is the new midnight. Hey, I tell you, I tell you how you know when you're old. This is how you know when you're old. The phone rings. It's like 8.30. 8.30 at night. And hi, and he said, hello, I got the phone. Go, oh, Father Ed, I'm sorry to call you. It's 8.30. Did I wake you up? <laughs> consideration of age and this notion about being old and old, we begin to learn that we are called to witness and to love the Lord God until our dying breath, until the breath of this body makes its final expulsion. I am to talk about him, to love him, to serve him, to be amazed by him, to hold him in my heart so that I fear nothing, not even death itself, for indeed Simeon and Anna are giving us those examples. Knowing God's promises that come in the Messiah, knowing God's hope that come in Jesus as the Son of God, is the answer to everything in our lives. I've said to you many times, I'll keep repeating it forever, the most important thing you could do about your workaday life is to know the promises of God. What has He promised you? For one thing, peace and joy. If you don't have peace and joy, why have you foregone that promise? You're not taking Him up on His promise. What are you doing that's different, that you've lost your peace and joy? He promises us eternal life, but I'm still scared of death, you say. Well, why do you not accept his promise or believe that promise? We can work on those things. So knowing the promises of God, and there are dozens and hundreds of them, make your life wonderful. But then the next step comes. You have to live, and I have to live, as if those promises are true. How often I catch myself living in a way where I'm all stressed, I'm all worked up, I'm all in a tizzy about something, only to realize I'm not taking God at His word. Literally, at His word, at His holy word in the Bible. I'm not really looking at it and living it. And I'm supposed to be a pastor to a flock. So I smack myself around, dust myself off, pray again to the Lord to build up my heart, give me strength, fill me again, Holy Spirit. So I can be fit to teach a class or to sit with a family who's in trouble or to preach a sermon because in and of myself, left to my own ways, I'll burn it up and I'll ruin it. My life has taught me something that I once read that was really helpful. Here it is. This is what my life has taught me. It's really good. Faith in Jesus Christ can take you from a nobody to a somebody, from being nowhere to being somewhere, and from being empty to being filled. Now think about that. I was a nobody. So, well, you weren't a nobody. You were probably some important guy in the business world or something. I was a nobody because I wasn't in Christ. I wasn't a child of God. I was being me. I was being myself earlier in life. We all have those episodes. We do it day by day. We become nobodies when we step out of our role as child of God. Your only title, your only role that's worth a darn is child of God. It's to be at peace and to be loved by your Lord who cares for you and provides for you. As soon as you step out of that to be something else, you got to be important or you don't trust them or you don't believe the promises or whatever. You are then in a position where you are nobody now. You've stopped being a child of God. But it's easy to reclaim and come right back. 
To be nowhere. Where is it when you're nowhere and then be somewhere? I was nowhere because I was living in the world. The living in the world is nowhere. It ends, you die in a grave and it's all over. Being in the world is nowhere. But then I step into the kingdom of God when I believe, I try to live according to God's ways, and I take Jesus at his word about his kingdom. Now I'm someplace. I went from no place to someplace, nowhere to somewhere. And now I'm in that. And then finally, we go through a part where we have no fulfillment in our lives to a place of ultimate fulfillment, as Simeon and Anna demonstrate to us here when we accept the Savior of the world into our hearts. Life doesn't have to be shallow and empty. You don't have to sit there and be a moment-by-moment -moment victim of what comes across your television screen. You don't have to be a moment-by-moment -moment victim of what happens even in your life. We do not live by our circumstances because our circumstances are fleeting. What we live by is the eternal promise of God. We live for enduring things, of enduring, enduring promise, an eternal being. Applications in our lives are overflowing in these teachings. We will never be fulfilled in our lives until we are filled with God. It's very important to know. You cannot be fulfilled in your life until you are filled by God. You can think that you found happiness or think that you've done something that, I always wanted to buy this house, now I bought it. Big deal. I think I'm burned down tomorrow. What we are doing is seeking the Lord God so the fulfillment we have is like Simeon and Anna, a fulfillment that's from the Lord and not from the world. We will never be fulfilled in our relationships until we're filled with God. Holding the Savior in his arms must have filled Simeon to no end, but also it gives us the fulfillment of how to treat one another. You can't be a good husband, a good wife, you can't be a good friend, a, a fellow employee, or anything in this world unless you are filled by God. Oh, you can do okay, you can be nice to each other in quotation marks, but then you're going to mess up and you're going to say something cruel and unkind. You're going to fail to forgive somebody. You're going to do something that really messes you up. And what we need to do is to say, I need to be with the Lord and snap back to the Lord's way of doing things and be fulfilled in that way. Simeon and Anna teach us this final bottom line point. This is what they knew, and if you look at their example, you'll find out. You will be fulfilled in your life, and you cannot be fulfilled in your life until you recognize that your life is not about yourself. You think, well, I have to worry about myself and get my food and get my job and get my, oh, here we go. Your life is not about yourself. Your life is about God. Your life is about worshiping your God, living as your Lord tells you to. Not because you're some kind of a, a, a bondservant slave in misery, but because you are a glad and happy slave to a Lord God who loves you. Remember that slavery to Christ is perfect freedom. Slavery to Christ is perfect freedom. Freedom from Christ is perfect slavery. So I don't have Christ in my life. I don't want to have that nonsense. Good, you're a slave. I'm not a slave. Yes, you are. You're a slave to yourself and your own dumb thinking and your own lack of wisdom. You're a slave to the world and to its rigors. You're a slave to all the, the things that can happen, the trials and tribulations of life. But when you are a slave to Christ, you're free of all of that. Oh, it can still hit you and affect you, but ultimately you don't care. Simeon didn't even care that he was dying because he had received God in his heart and received Jesus. You know, <laughs> I have so many things that are important on this topic. But I want to cut to this idea about aging. People who are 15 want to be 20. I know that are 21. was legal age for drinking these days. That's what they want to be. Uh, but people who are 60 would like to be 40. People who are 81 would be 50, whatever it is. The truth is that age is something that does not affect who we are because we live forever. 
Anybody ever hear of a woman named Mary Ann Evans? I'll give you a hint, she was an author. Her nom de plume was, anybody know? George Eliot. Mary Ann Evans was George Eliot. She wrote, it is never too late to be who you might have been. There's wisdom in that, isn't it? I get that. I get it. C.S. Lewis said a little more theologically when C.S. Lewis said, you're never too old to set another goal or to dream a new dream when you are in the Lord. Huh. I always say that. I never saw in my Bible from Genesis to Revelation, I never saw it say, when you shall reach the age of 65, you shall retire and get ye a Winnebago and drive to ye Grand Canyon. It doesn't say that. It says as long as you breathe, you're worshiping the Lord. As long as you walk the earth, you're serving the Lord. Uh, the venerable Satchel Page of baseball fame said it perhaps best of all. He said, age is a question of mind over matter. If you don't mind, it doesn't matter. <laughs> That's what Simeon is teaching. That's what Anna is teaching. At the very cusp of his death, perhaps, because I believe Simeon probably died short, shortly after this gospel, what is he doing? He's giving me a lesson on how to live my life, showing me how it's not about gratification but fulfillment, that my life is not about myself but about the Lord because he was seeking only the Lord, that there is joy even in old age, that you can die and not worry about it because death is nothing to be feared. It's not something in conflict with life. It's a natural movement in the Lord, a divine and holy thing, and we can embrace it fully and know that life everlasting is the prize. And I'm never really sorry when I get a prize. And even if it's life everlasting, I can shout and joy and testify with all of you. So take that in your hearts as you leave today. Live it through this week. Take this gospel home and read it. And know that no matter who you are, no matter how old you're getting, the joy of the Lord is yours. And that having Jesus as your one thing can put you in a place where you can even look at death and not worry. That's good news. That's a really good piece of news for us to hold in our hearts today. Amen. Amen. Thank you again for listening to the All Saints Podcast. I hope you'll download future episodes. You can subscribe and have the episode delivered automatically each week by going to iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts and clicking subscribe. I hope you have a great week. God bless.